and another Last All podcast. My name is Carl. When we was talking about what we're going to talk about this podcast, we didn't know what we were going to talk about because nothing really happened this week, did it, in the Arsenal world. But I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. Um, and the people joining me to talk today, the person who's always here, the person who runs this podcast immaculately with help from other people, obviously, is Danny, the GFP. Daniel, how are you? I'm very good, Carlos. Thank you very much. They run the podcast, point it in the rough direction, and hopefully some of you will go along with it. Unless you're a hipster, then uh, you've got no interest in it. If you're well, wondering least... where Chris is, he said, uh, not doing any shows for January. No reason. No reason. Just gone full Gimli. It's probably because we're going to win every game in January, and he knows that uh, he can't. <laughs> well, if we play any games in January, we should be. But um, he probably knows yeah. if we win, he can't moan. Yeah. True. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, recovered from COVID, which is all good. Have a nice Christmas. And we're now back on January blues. So we'll wait for those to kick in. I know, I know, I know. Um, also on this podcast today, the voice of reason, the man who will definitely <laughs> pull us in rank. It's Ginger Josh. How are you, Josh? Hey, Carl. I don't know if I'll put anyone in rank or... Uh necessarily be the voice of reason but let's just say there's a roll of tinfoil down by me and i'm ready to make some hats <laughs> i know i know well we're just gonna kick on out because let's be honest yeah. there are loads to talk about and chris ain't here so it's not gonna go on for two hours but um there is no so we're just gonna kick straight into it um josh arsenal one man united two man city Oh, Man City. That's not Man City. I, still, I don't even want to talk about them. That's how bad it is. <laughs> That's but COVID to, be, to be fair, they it, laugh. It, I'll laugh at it, them. Yeah, them losing to Wolves. That was hilarious, I must say. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. You can't make it up. But I don't know if you're probably the same as me. Um, when I when we lose those sort of games, I sometimes I'm angry at the team because you know. There's all this talk about we never beat a top four team, top four side, and you know Arsenal can only beat the lowest, the lowest sides. But I wasn't angry at the team because I felt that we played really, really well. Even you know with all the silliness that happened within the game. But how do you think that we played? Oh, I thought we were fantastic, especially in the first half. We showed that we can go toe to toe with arguably one of the top four sides in world football right now. And we played them off the park and we can include every player we like and don't like in that starting 11 and say they all played fantastically well and we deservedly went in with a lead. Um, it's then what happens at half time, And as I say, the tinfoil is down by me. And if you hear some scrunching, it's me to start building my, my hats to uh, talk about what happened at halftime. But yeah, to talk about just the um, emotions post-game, saying it's it's amazing to say that we've got to this stage again because it hasn't been like this since maybe what three years before the end of Wenger's reign that we were annoyed that the team played so well and we were fucked over against a big side. Um yeah, it was one of the downsides of uh, our top four reign is every other team got to play Arsenal. 
uh, and we never got that opportunity uh, because we always got mugged over by something would happen or you know Wenger would show his um his failings in the way that the team was set up this we were tactically perfect and it was only due to uh, decisions that were outside of you know, Mikel Arteta and um, was it um, AirPod Bert? Uh, it was outside of his his control that saw us lose the game, and that's the frustrating thing. But it is absolutely refreshing to have our anger pointed towards something else that isn't the way that we played. Uh, but Danny. How did you feel about the performance as well? Um, before the game started, I think they always do the the thing that never happens in football where you say, oh, I'll take a draw. Will you? Well, uh, the, the Premier League announces that the, tonight today's game is a draw because both teams are happy with a draw. Everyone go home. <laughs> doesn't happen. We should stop saying that. But uh, I would have been happy with a draw. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm perfectly honest, I'd have been happy with a 2-1 loss or 1-0 loss. What I wouldn't have been happy with is getting absolutely smashed 5-0 like we did before. And this is just, there's there's one team in the league at the moment. This has shown how far Arsenal have come. Beginning of the season, I didn't mind. I didn't care if we lost against Man United, Man City, uh, Liverpool and Chelsea, because there are the four teams that have got the top four all taken. And then slowly it's gone, well, you can cross Man United off of that because we're better than Man United. And now you can cross possibly Chelsea off of that because Chelsea have shown their form is awful. And I think at times, maybe... You might even be able to cross Liverpool off of that because uh, that is a team that we might be able to beat if they ever turn up. Um, <laughs> but but for us, to, to, for, for that, in such a short length of time to go, well, I see Man City as someone that we should, after the game, in such a short length of time since, and then after the game go, well, I think we should have beaten them. When a month ago, they've gone, Man City, there's no chance we're going to beat them. We wouldn't even scrape a win if we were lucky. And the way that we went out there and every single one of our players was magnificent in everything that they did. And I know Gabriel was a bit unlucky and him and Ramsdale were a bit silly trying to dig a, a tunnel to try and get out of the stadium. But it's just <laughs> the performance, every single one. And when you see someone like Sterling, who is probably uh, one of the best wingers in the world, he's back on form. I think he had five goals in five games. And you see he was getting nothing out of Tomiyasu. He was been torn, not torn, he's been run ragged. And uh, he was getting nowhere. And he had him in his pocket the entire game. And you think, hold on, Tommy, you've, you've probably never played against Sterling before. I don't know if uh, Torino or Genoa. Was it one of those two? Bologna. Bologna, there you go. I knew it was something to do with uh, meatballs. Uh, he's probably never played against him before. Or I don't even know if they, he'd have played in, in any of the European competitions before. But no, he's Japanese. That, yeah, I know he's Japanese. I mean, as yeah, in... No, we, we, oh, we wouldn't have played him in the Champions League, no. Yeah. We, 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 Boulogne, did Bologna ever play European football? Don't think so while no, he was there. They right. would have played, um, you know, he would have played a p- players of similar quality in Serie A, but yeah. otherwise, probably not. Yeah. So just to see the way that he had them, and then even Tierney was fantastic, and people have been wavering over whether he should play the, every game. Uh, but the way that he just he, he bossed that entire left side, whether it was defending or attacking, and then Ramsdale. I mean, that one. There's, there's some moments in that game that you know normally I don't remember games. In years to come, I will still remember that Ramsdale get the ball, lob it out of his own area, or kick it down to the feet of Martin. Was it Martinelli? It landed at the foot of whilst running at yeah. full pace on the, on the left-hand side, about three-quarters of the way down the pitch. 
that one. I mean, that is something that is going to, like the tyranny goal in the snow, game of goals and bits of movement that are going to stay with me until I'm older and greyer and fatter. And uh, it's just a pleasure to see. And I just, I'd have, looking at that game, I think, what could we have done if we'd have had a striker who scores goals? Nothing against Lacazette. I love him. I love what he does. I love how he's adapted his game to sacrifice himself for the rest of the team and the style of football. But he is not. He's not in the way he plays for Arsenal at the moment. He's not getting twenty, thirty goals a season the way someone who is a real top class striker would get. But just the hot every single part of it. I mean, I've downloaded it and I've got a full HD version of it. And I'm gonna to have to wait in a darkened room and then I'd get myself some tissues ready for it to have a little cry and then just watch it again <laughs> because Carl, it was a thing of beauty, much like ourselves. I mean, I'm glad you said you can get some tissues and cry and not something else. I don't do all that. I'll find that out. Um so when I got home from work today, um I watched the game again fully and that that Josh said the first half was a thing of beauty. I think every single player on that pitch in a, in a red shirt played uh, absolutely brilliantly. We 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 were hunting down Man City. We were chasing them down. We were first to every 50-50 ball. Um, we hassled them. We didn't give them a, a moment's peace. And that was brilliant. And yeah, you could put it down to we were fresher than them because I do believe they played two days before, which, you know what it is? What it is, that's modern football at the moment. Um that's just the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. But, you know, we were absolutely brilliant. And going into going into half-time, one new up, I was happy. I was, I was really happy because I thought there is no way um, we're going to fall to here. Man City just didn't know what to do with us. And, and I think that was um, testament to the way Mikel Arteta set the team up, the way that everyone was fighting. I mean, you know, we'll get onto individual performances, but... You know, a special shout out has to go to Partey because that was probably the best performance in a national shirt that we've seen of him. Um, the other standout performances was obviously Old Trafford away a few seasons ago, but uh, everyone was just brilliant. And then, you know, we have to talk about the second half. And, and, I, and I don't like to use the word collapse because I don't think we collapsed, but we definitely didn't do things to help ourselves. I mean... We talk about the the, the, pen, the first penalty incident. We might as well stick to the first half. Um, Josh, just a quick yes or no. Did you think it was a penalty? Yes no. or no? No, Not I didn't think it was a penalty. Uh, I didn't think... Well, I might be behind on the rules of what I think a penalty should be. But Martin Odegaard gained no advantage and was going nowhere by where he fell over. You know... Um, by Edison fouling him there didn't stop a goal-scoring opportunity, didn't stop Odegaard playing the ball back. Uh, he was going nowhere. And it's the kind of thing a bit like where you see, well, I say contact in the box or contact on the field isn't necessarily always a foul. Um, and I remember the days where that, what Edison did was straight not a penalty because Odegaard wasn't doing anything with the ball. He was just in, that was it. He was just in the box. But I think when we get to what my thoughts are for the other penalty from Man City, um, you'll probably see where I'm kind of sitting generally on both penalties. Um, but yeah, Carl, what did you reckon to that penalty? Um, I, I, uh, I want to was advocate of you. So just some, so you said that he was going nowhere with the ball. Mm. So if he had his back to goal, 
Like, let's yeah. say, you know, he runs on the ball, he turns, and he's facing the other way. Yeah. And someone pushes him in his back. Actually, just comes and pushes him in his back. So that's a foul. But he's, yeah. but, so the, but the player's got to know the ball because the player's yeah. got his back to goal. Would you cast that as a penalty? Well, he can still play the ball at that point. Where Odegaard is, he's what, less than two metres from the uh, edge of yeah. the pitch. He'd have had about a second with that ball to do exactly. something at that speed. Exactly. He's, he's not doing anything with that ball at that point. He's not in control as much as Edison isn't in control. It turns into a 50-50 at that point, I think. Uh, so I'm not... Um, let's put it this way. Um, my argument for why that's not a penalty is the same argument to the Man City one as well. I mean, I've watched, like, like probably everyone uh, mm. listening and also in this podcast, I've watched mm. this so many times. And even I can't decide that. My Arsenal mm. hat says it is a penalty. Of course it is. Like, But my football brain mm. says, is it not? So I, like every decision, I apply. If that was Man City and they got a penalty for that, would I be angry? And I probably would be, because I would probably think the same as you, but my Arsenal mm. hat says... No, it, 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 it's not. So, sadly, it, it's one of those things where VAR is, like everything, mm. open to interpretation, uh, yep. sadly. At, at that point in the game, I'm happy with what the ref and VAR does in that situation. I'm happy that they didn't go and do it because it uh, sets a precedent. You know, a bit like if, um, what did you say? Like all of your team has got COVID and uh, then you play your under 23s instead or um you you forfeit the game um something like that you know you set a precedent in a competition and then uh you've got to kind of no. carry it through um i don't know i'm sure we'll come on to something like that mm. uh, later on but that's the thing that in that point in the timeline of the game i am completely happy with what the ref did at that point because i don't think the ref had a bad first half either I think there's a lot to be said. And as I say, I am constructing my tinfoil hat now and it is half on my head uh, at this point. Kevin Friend being the linesman at that time and there being no fourth official, that game is reft completely different to when Kevin Friend then becomes the fourth official at half time and the uh, secondary linesman goes and uh, probably has a hangover. Just admit it if you're, if you're on call. Well, he, no, he was on call. He was he was never meant to be part of the team, oh, of so the refereeing the, the, team. The fourth one. Who was who was the one who didn't turn out? What was his job? Uh, he was a linesman, and Kevin oh, Friend right. was meant to be the fourth official for this game. But Kevin Friend right. then stepped in, became the line the linesman. We had no fourth official for the first twenty minutes. Keep it like that. Um, it was working. It was working absolutely. And as I say, tinfoil hats here. My that something happened in that second half, and the game was refed completely differently. And what happened is a bit like a substitution from, you know, we could play completely differently when, say, Smith Rowe comes on for Odegaard. And we've seen when Smith Rowe comes off the bench, he tends to score. Something happened in that game with the refereeing. That setup changed and we saw a markedly different game. Um, but I think I've deviated away from the uh, general point. Danny, did you think it was a penalty for uh, um, on Odegaard? Like doing the way Carl looks at it, no for both of them. Maybe closer to a yes for the Xhaka one on on um, on silver 
because uh, it just looked worse. You could see from the replay, he had hold of his shirt and he was pulling him. But then when you see all both of them in slow motion, neither of them should have been. Uh, if anything, in slow motion, we should have got a penalty because their goalkeeper got his foot to uh, barely touched uh, Odegaard's foot before he touched the ball. But he's running away from goal. He's running into the stands. In fact, it probably helped him slow down a little bit. But then you look at the Jacker one. I heard that there is a law with the with the refereeing that the uh, if you're pulling a shirt, it's got to be in a V shape. You're pulling the bloke down. And when you when you, he was didn't have it in a V shape, he had his arms straight as he was doing it. And so and and then you look at that in slow motion, and you see the bloke had started to fall before he'd grabbed the shirt. So it was a dive. So it should have been. But when you look at them in slow motion, they both swap round, going from a a no and then a yes for Xhaka's one mm-hmm. to a, a no for the Xhaka's one because he's already diving and a yes for the Odegaard one because you can see the goalie touches his foot first, even though he wasn't going anywhere. So they are two very hard decisions. But to have both of them go against us, considering we're the home team and we, we've had 99, no, we've had 100 penalties go against... No, that's sending off. So that's something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll talk about that later. But yeah. it's... Um, I yeah, think the thing annoying. that also doesn't help with the second one is that there was a precedent set about contact in the box. Oh, and it's Xhaka. Um, well, that is Xhaka, but That's I think if you remember the, from the first... Wahlberg. If it's yeah, Xhaka, as, guilty. As, as Nick says, uh, yeah, it's rule 14.2C. Uh, or uh, Xhaka gets booked. I think that's... Yeah, partly it's Xhaka, but also I remember in the first half, Gabriel has got hold of Gabriel Jesus, like fully hold of him. Uh, as a cross comes in and there's more contact in that than there is in the Granite Xhaka shirt pull and nothing is given at that point. And that's what I say. The first half, I enjoyed the way it was being refereed. Some Almost people like might and play the game. It was. It was very much a, go oh on boys, this is going to be a proper, it was a throwback kind of game. I think that's the other thing that we should say is it, it had vibes of mid-2000s Premier League football. There were some tackles going in that you were like, not sure about that. But because they were all getting given as just get up. I mean, Sterling went over a couple of times where I thought, uh, maybe that could have been a free kick or he's looking for something. Just weren't given by the ref. And it kind of showed us that precedent and we could grow into that game that way. But Carl, what did you think as well? Um, Again, I enjoyed the first half. And like you, Josh, I, I genuinely thought the game was being refed well. And I don't know what happened at halftime. It's almost like a switch went off mm. in his head, like a Mike Dean switch. Was like, I want to make this about me, <laughs> and genuinely wanted to, to, to do something. And like you said, as soon as that Kevin Friend became the fourth official again, yeah. I don't know if something was said at halftime. Again, like Josh, I might to share your tinfoil hat. Um, <laughs> it's almost like there's like you know, oh, it's New Year's Day. Let's set a precedent. Let's let's do something so <laughs> people can talk and clearly. You know, we you know that never happened, but uh, I get we will talk about refereeing like much um, like later, I guess. But um, it and it just changed, and it just it just seriously changed. And you know, who wants to talk about the, the Jacka penalty incident now? Um, at first thought, I didn't think it was a penalty. I genuinely didn't think it, it was a penalty. I, I kind of as soon as he went, we watched it in real time, and he went down. I was like, I'll get up. He was diving. And, and what makes it, I guess, even kind of more angry for me is that the referee thought the same thing in real time because you saw him wave to Bernardo Silva to get up. Um, and you can almost see the anger on the referee's face. I'll get up, like, diving sharp. 
and and play on. And obviously, Bernardo Silva was on the floor, like waving his arms around. Like, oh, I can't believe that never happened. And then the game stops, and then obviously the VAR referee says, "Oh, you need to go take a look at this." Um, you you see the replay, and then you look at it, and you think to yourself, "When as soon as he goes to review VAR, you know it's going to be a penalty because there's only one time I believe in the since VAR's come in that the referee has stuck with his original mm. decision. Every other time." The referee has gone to look at VAR. They've always changed their mind every single time, which I think, again, is, is another flaw in the system, which we, we will talk about later. But um, do I think that the Jacobin was a penalty? Again, in my heart of hearts, I, I, I'm going to say yes. And the reason why I'm going to say yes, I'm, I'm going to stick true with my choice. Because if you remember when we played Manchester United, when um, Maguire uh, was talking about a Tommy Asu shirt, and we got nothing for that. And for me, that should have been a penalty. So if you're going to have one, you should have the other. For me, it's the, it's the consistency, which again, we'll talk about later. But for me, like I I just think it was really stupid of Granite Xhaka. I really do. Because if he had let go of his shirt, even a second earlier, that's not a penalty. I don't think the referee, I don't think even the signal looked at by VAR. I just think it's... Granit Xhaka got turned by Bernardo Silva in the box because he's got very quick feet and Xhaka plays like he's playing in quicksand. But it's just, it's it's annoying that one, it's Granit Xhaka, um, two, he gets turned like that and three, the referee goes to VAR. And for me, either neither of them go to VAR or both of them go to VAR. Mm. That's just my outlook. How would you? And think especially as they were both against us, and we were at home. Mm. I don't think home advantage got anything to do with it. You can't. It, it would no, rest- as in it would do if it was Liverpool, Man United, probably and Man City. They'd all that. The button. Neither of those would have gone. Both of those wouldn't have gone against those teams if they were playing at home. I would have said. Um, for me, it's, it's like the timeline, the precedent was set that VAR said this is, we're going with the on-field one for the Odegaard decision. And that's why I say they're both no, they're both not penalties because I don't think either merit an incorrect decision from that point of view. If he gives both, fine. Then I'm like, okay, that's the precedent. Soft penalties are in um, for 2022. But I didn't think either were penalties and I didn't think either needed to go to VAR. Um, because the precedent that was set. If Odegaard goes to VAR and they check it, great, happy with that, Uh, because then Bernardo Silvers goes to VAR afterwards. But because of the precedent that's been set, it shouldn't have been gone. It shouldn't have gone to it. And they go, no, it's not not an obvious error. I don't think... I mean, Xhaka's there because Kieran Tierney's out of position. Let's just get to that bit quickly. Um, Bernardo Silva is in that position because he's tracked inside Tierney and Jack is there covering for him. Um, that's one of the reasons why Jack is in that position. It's not that he's out of position. He's there covering his mate because that's the great thing about this Arsenal team now is everybody is there for each other. There were mistakes probably in that first half. If we're looking at the minutiae of how we played, you know, missed passes, misplaced passes somewhere, uh, even from players that we would laud as having perfect games. You know, Partey probably misplaced at least one pass in that first half or uh, was in the wrong position. But you didn't notice because Gabriel played so well, Ben White played so well, Tommy Asu played so well. We're there for each other. Um, same for Saka as well. Saka was coming back. He was helping with Sterling, you know, making sure he was there. And then going up the other end, 
and causing Nathan Ake to wish he was relegated to the championship rather than joining Man City. Uh, it was just a superb, well-rounded performance from us. And I think that's the thing that kind of hurts so much is that it was kind of undermined. You know, Arsenal have finally found how to be a consistent team after six or seven years and the PGMOL still can't. Um, it's ridiculous in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think there's so much more we can talk about from that moment on as well. And should we move on to, well, Gabriel gets a yellow card after the penalty goes in for, um, well, the referee books him for dissent, doesn't he? And according to, um, yeah, assistant manager, no rude words were utilised in the exchange with the ref, um, but he chose to book him anyway. Um, which, yeah, how do you feel that the you know the three minutes from then on? Because we'll talk about it was a bad three minutes for people named Gabriel in Arsenal shirts because Martinelli misses an open goal between the two yellow cards. Um, I mean, yeah, talk us through it, Carl. Even with that, again, I watched the game again. So the goal goes in and the referee has his yellow card out. And it almost like he wants to book someone because he has, he, he there is no one for him to book, but his yellow card is out and he just points it in Gabriel's, um, in his face. And it's kind of like, well, where's that come from? Like, for what reason? And that's when I think the referee lost the game. That moment, he got caught up in it and because it went from Bernardo Silva, him say him in real time, him thinking Bernardo Silva have dived to awarding a penalty and then booking Granite Shaka. I don't think he needs to book Granite. I'll be honest with you. I don't see because it, he felt that the foul didn't warrant even a penalty or it wasn't even a mm. foul. But he goes from that to booking Granite Shaka, which is very weird. I, I don't get that. Um, and the fact that I felt like he lost control of the game because he had his yellow card out and whatever Gabriel said, we'll, we, we will never know what Gabriel said. Um, but I'm very sure that that referee has been called a lot worse on a football pitch and not booked players. I can, I can almost guarantee that that's happened. Um, happy New Year to you as well, Paul Neil. Um, Nell. I can guarantee... I thought it was Neil, it's Nell. He's been done me on that before and he isn't changing it. Oh, well, let's start a petition. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, yeah, and I thought he lost control of the game there. And then, like you said, so it was a very mad, mad um, couple of minutes. Gabriel gets the... So, the ball goes into the box. Um, Gabriel... The ball goes in and the referee, for me, is standing in front of Gabriel. Why the referee needs to be um, there? And I understand what people are going to say, where he needed to see to, if that ball goes over the line because it was Ake that headed it in. No, was it, was it Ake or was it Rodri? When? I want to say Rodri. Um, for, that, for the nearly own goal. Um, it was Diaz. Two went up for it, it was Diaz. Nearly heads in and Ake clears the ball off the line. But for some reason, the referee sprints into the box. Now, (laughs) Josh, what is that big thing on the referee's hand 
<laughs> um, that tells him whether a ball goes over the line. So for me, that is maybe I'm just nitpicking. I probably because I'm an Arsenal fan, but the referee, his position, there's no need for him to be there. There is zero need for him to be in that position. And do you know what? And again, I'm making an excuse for Gabriel because I think just for that split second, it puts Gabriel off. And that's why he doesn't score. Again, I'm probably making an excuse for him. I, I really am. I, still, yeah. he should score that. I think the other thing from Arsenal as well is remember moments before that, he is, what's the best way to describe it without me getting in trouble? Um, it, no, I can't use that one, but let's just put it, uh, no, no, I can't do that one. Uh, that would definitely get me cancelled. Uh, let's just say he is assaulted violently by Rodri, the eventual goal scorer in the build-up to that, and nothing is given. It's not even a free kick. A corner is corner. given for that Jeez. foul. Um, I mean, it's ridiculous. The the penalty. The, well, that tackle not resulting in just a foul on Martinelli. I think at that point he didn't look the same since then. It was a proper reducer. Um, Martin Keown had a smile on his face, you know, on the inside, watching it because he was like, "Yes, son, get in." But then it's an Arsenal player, so he's also sad. Um, and I don't think Martin—I don't think Martinelli took a shot with anger on his right foot after that. So that's partly why I think he went with his left because I don't think he could go with his right. He just didn't trust it. I think it hurt too much because he got absolutely destroyed there, which I think is one of the small things that we're missing from, uh, you know, the rest of the game, is that Rodri, who ends up going and playing as an auxiliary striker after we go down to ten men shouldn't be on the field by the time he's scoring his goal because he's put in more than enough of his fair share of tackles and fair share of yellow card offences akin to what Gabriel did in terms of getting caught on the halfway line and just going, ah, oh, fuck it, see you later, mate. Just trip you over. Something cynical. It's those decisions that is just mind-boggling. And I feel for... Martinelli, I think he's got enough good. Um, he's got a good, enough good credit in the bank with Arsenal fans that we're not going to lambast him for that. He's young enough, and it's how he comes back from this this chance and that missed opportunity because he knows it was a missed opportunity. Going well, been two one up then, restoring our lead would have been huge. And if we score, of course, uh, there isn't the counter attack that Gabriel gets sent off from as well because it is literally off the back of that I've got a um, we might get away with this do a quick share thing um, a window here share like you see that this is the Martinelli one that we're talking about oh yeah. get that back up there Lacazette gets the ball off him puts it across Martinelli gets it running on goal how is that we didn't even get a, um, a free kick from that. No, call I, I don't understand. The referees behind it. I, and, and again, we're going to. Uh, we are going to definitely talk about referees. Yeah, later the, referee, on, but, the referee. Um, you can see him what, there. He's what is he thinking? Him. Yeah, but what is he thinking? Where? Where does he think that's not a foul? Like, I would love to know his mindset to think that is not a foul. Why? What? Like, why does he think that's a foul? It is that and the Saka, the one where Saka, yeah. 
getting the, the ball. Saka was kicked in the leg yeah. by Crystal Palace. Two of the worst fouls this season in the Premier League. That they've, no, they've got nothing. Yeah. They haven't been done for it. And the second one even got to VAR. Yeah. Like, what's VAR yeah. there for? If that doesn't getting go getting the ball isn't enough now in this modern game of football. It is that you know those kind of reduced tackles don't get there. He is not in control of that tackle when he goes in. And there's always about red cards. It's about excessive force as well. Pretty sure that's excessive force for that tackle. He could come in quite politely with a sliding tackle and not clear out the player, win the ball cleanly in that situation, and it'd be fine. But no, I think it's excessive force and he should have at least been reviewed and it's a free kick and yellow card. But nothing, nothing Nothing. happened whatsoever. And it's just... One thing I would say is probably where the uh, the whole thing with the referee came in and with Gabriel getting his yellow card was, did you notice how Arsenal players, we surrounded the referee. This is not something we've seen for a while. It's Arsenal fans. Arsenal since players. the Tommy attack. Exactly. I suppose that'd be another one, wouldn't it? Another yep. massive um, foul on someone. Nothing got hap- Nothing happened. Yeah, just getting kicked in. Leisurely kicked in the head. It's fine. You know, um, getting kicked in the head's fine now in football if you're an Arsenal player. Um but it is that kind of thing that we are, we're just kind of missing something. Um, I don't know what it is in that regard, but yeah. Uh, being Northern, I think you find it is being a Northern team. That's what we're missing. <laughs> Perhaps. There is something to that. We've said, it has been said mm. ever since football, I've been watching football since the mid eighties. Most of the, the referees are Northerners. And they all like their northern teams, and the southern teams have got got bugger all out of it. Uh, the big one is Anthony Taylor for me. Um, he apparently is a fan of Altrincham Town, despite Aren't growing up a mile from the shadow of Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's weird how no yep. um, referee supports their Premier League team. Not not even oh, one. Not one even one. One does. Oh. It's Michael Oliver. He supports Newcastle, and that's because if he was a Geordie, there's no fucking way he could say he supports South Shields. No fucking way. <laughs> Everybody would go, you lying fucking bastards. There's no way you support them. You're a Newcastle fan. So he doesn't get Newcastle games. Um, that's the big one that he doesn't get. But yeah, uh, other than that, every other referee is Tranmere Rovers, Mike Dean, fuck off. Altering mm. in town, Anthony Taylor, get in the bin. Um okay. Andre Mariner, I think, is from the Midlands, and I think he supports some... Solihull. Some, yeah, it's probably <laughs> something like Solihull. It's something outside of Birmingham that isn't Villa. But it's yeah, been this way ever since the start. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole PGMO is... Fun. Not only have they got no Southerners in it, they have no black people and they have no women. Didn't I see the other day they had an Australian referee? Yeah, they've got some... How can you have an organisation where it's hmm. just white Northern men? And that's just... I mean, in 2022, good God, I can't believe we're in that year already. They've made no effort. That bullshit of fast-tracking um, ex-players through. Nonsense. That's how What's-His-Face got in. Uh, the guy that refereed us at the weekend, he was fast-tracked back in oh, because it was short. Good. Yeah. But Sorry, for, go for so, Yeah, this is clear what the main like, Man City for game first and we're going to get on to referee. So, Danny, the Gabriel challenge on Jesus on the face of it take away anything did you think that was a worthy of a yellow card probably yeah but considering he already had a yellow card 
that was for descent where there was no real descent probably something in portuguese that sounded like some kind of cooking instructions for a vegan in doing veganuary it's probably what he was giving him some uh some um, plant-based uh wonderfulness uh, he should have gone I've, I've given you a yellow card when maybe it was a bit harsh i've had a time to think of it things were getting a bit heated and now you've done that that this should be a yellow card it should be a stiff warning you do that again you're going to get a yellow card and then you're going to be off or do what they sometimes do and go to the bench go look Oi, you might want to take him off are you allowed to do that i'm or, friendlies i think they do that oh all right maybe not um that's where i got it confused but then uh i think arteta might have seen that and gone because gabriel does get quite heated that's why we like him because he gets really involved in it and he, and he wants to hurt people which is we that's what we needed for years enforcers and jacko is an enforcer and so is gabriel and it's just unlucky that he hadn't calmed down from the, the penalty and then the booking, and he was doing that. But there was definitely a block. I'm not. Uh, sorry, Josh. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I'm not necessarily worried with what Gabriel did. It wasn't necessarily a stupid decision. The stupid decision was that the referee decided to give him a second yellow, despite numerous fouls until that point not being yellow. I think it was... Carl, it's probably the same as you said. He got his yellow card out again, then realised, oh, actually, I was meant to set a precedent with these kind of tackles, but, oh, shit, I'm going to end up sending a guy off. But then, at that point, it's too late. And he definitely won't come out and say he's made a mistake because referees are too proud and arrogant and egotistical and you've got to protect each other. Uh, but we never then saw, and we were done with many counter-attacking tackles after that point, another yellow card. I think it had something to do with going back to my point of where we were surrounding the referee and putting a lot of pressure on him. And normally with Arsenal teams is you book a player and then we kind of shirk away. That didn't happen in this game. We continued to hound the referee and it's something we've missed. And we've been, I think crying out for it as a fan base for a number of years, of that's the way you win the big games, is making sure and ensuring you're leveraging and putting pressure on the referees. And I can imagine that was what was happening when a fourth official turned up. Is Pep Guardiola's got someone to talk to now. Before then, his mate's not there. He's got COVID. He's sitting over in uh, his hotel and you know, phoning through Thunderbird style into, uh, into the stands. But when the fourth official comes in, oh, it's great. Pep's got someone to put pressure in. Albert on the, uh, you know, um, assistant manager, they haven't got that. They're not going and chatting, uh, getting in the uh, fourth official's ear, saying, what's going on here? What's this going on? Because they don't have the same respect and they don't have the same gravitas that Pep can bring. And Kevin Friend goes, oh, yeah, sorry, Mr. Pep. Oh, no, you're not a bold fraud, Mr. Pep. Don't listen to what Chris Carpenter says. (laughs) Kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with Danny. Uh, on the face of it, was it a yellow card? Yes, but shouldn't it have been? No. He literally should have pulled Lacazette and Gabriel and said, you need to tell him, because that's how you that's how you manage a game. That's how, that would have been good refereeing. He should have pulled Lacazette and just said, you need to tell him that that can't happen again. Because the next foul he makes, how, no matter how bad it is, he will be sent off. And that's how he managed to get back. Like Josh said, and I definitely agree with you, Josh, I think he was just so in the moment where he pulled his yellow card so quickly and he was like, you have to go. And like you said, he's never going to make that he made a mistake whether he thinks it or not. But 
And that's where I said, I thought the referee lost the game. I thought that he got caught up in the whole foray of, um, you know, of the excitement. And he did that and he was kind of like, well, you've now said, and it took um, Rodri how many fouls to get his first yellow card? Like, and it was just absolutely ridiculous. I believe it wasn't until, hold on, did he not get a, a yellow card until he took off his shirt? To celebrate. That was, yeah, the so first Man City fouls. yellow card was the 93rd minute. <laughs> so all them fouls, and it took mm-hmm. him, like, taking off a shirt, because Saka got a fat, Saka got a yellow card mm-hmm. for asking a question. And this is why I said the referee lost it, because he, he pulled out his yellow card and put Saka, and Saka was like, I asked you a question, like, <laughs> he didn't switch, he didn't shout. You could, you saw the conversation on the TV. Saka weren't shouting. Saka was talking to him. And he bought Saka, and you're like, that's when the referee had to had, had to have lost it. And it was, and, and I thought for t- with ten men, I thought we played absolutely again brilliantly. I genuinely think that you know the team came together, and yeah, we was under pressure, but we had a few chances as well. But we was under a lot of pressure. And this Man City, Man City are like you said, Josh, arguably top three teams in in the whole entire world at the moment. Um, and it took them until the ninety. 90- what fourth minute um, to score a goal against us, and it was heartbreaking, wasn't it, Danny? Like when that goal went in, I'm sure, like you, I sunk, my head just sunk down, and I wasn't even angry at the team. I was more hurt and upset. What was your feelings? I just, uh, yeah, I thought this is new Arsenal. We are, we are Teta's Arsenal now. We aren't going to do what we always do and fall apart. I mean, the penalty. I didn't expect that to happen. I kind of thought maybe Ramsdale would save it. But when that last minute goal went in, I thought, that that's unfair. I was angry with the referee. I was angry with them cheating fuckers. And I was I wasn't overly angry with uh with um with our players. They they tried so hard and you saw them at the end of the game, they were laying down on the pitch like they've just gone through uh, a a Champions League final that's gone to extra time and penalties. They were knackered. A couple of times we saw Martinelli try and make a run, breathing through his ass. Poor bloke was absolutely knackered, which did make me wonder. That game would have been the way we were playing, that fast counter-attacking football that they couldn't cope with. What game would be more suited to Pepe than that? Bringing him on and taking Lacazette off a lot earlier or or going up, trying to get that other goal or playing in wide or something like that. Because when Smith-Rowe came on, it didn't really do much. I don't know if he didn't really have time for it, whether the whole thing was just too too much for him. But maybe maybe Pepe would have done nothing as well. It was, but... it was damage limitation at that point, wasn't it? It was... We were down to 10. Yeah, down to 10 men. Uh, we knew we needed to basically shut up shop to get any chance. And what we saw was Guardiola doing what he kind of did... Again, as Barcelona manager, which he'd do with Pe- uh, Pique, and he'd just play him as a as a forward so he could knock long balls into him. And that was what Rodri was doing. Is Rodri just became their striker. Came with a head on a stick for them, basically. Uh, and they could afford to do that because they then had the man advantage. I thought one thing that is a positive out of it um, from that game is you can see what £50 million of English centre-back gets you in Ben White versus Rob Holding. Because when Rob Holding came on, he was all right, but you could see the difference that Ben White is because they were side by side and you could see one of them was dealing with what Man City had with them very easily and the other one was struggling. Um, 
so that's one of the benefits I kind of saw from it. But it was it'll make just... us stronger, though, wouldn't it? it yeah, it'll bring us together more, more determined. Well, oh, it won't happen again. Definitely. But you look at the, no. the points we've dropped recently against Man United and and against Man City. It was was it Erdegaard and Jacker mm. both giving away penalties. Maybe mm. they need to work on something like that. Like if you if you are that's not your job. I know Jacker will drop in a left centre back when Tierney's attacking, and to to fill it up. But maybe look, your skill isn't tackling, so maybe go a little bit easy. No, to God, I know it's nice of you to track back, but try and leave this for somebody else, or or just stand there. Stop making the tackles because you get away. It's like Jacker doesn't realise that every single action, every single angle, everything you do can be seen on VAR. So don't do it. But you're trying to teach an old dog new tricks, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take that out of Granite Jacker's game. I know we talk a lot about Granite Jacker does some stupid things, and he does. Like, he does some really, really silly things. But is that part of his game? Like, if you took that, if you took that, I don't want to call it nastiness, but that mm. sort of passion. I don't know. Yeah, even there, even that word passion away. Does he become a whole different player? And oh, absolutely, he's not like the his player off, we've you got. Can't do yeah. it. I think and it takes so much away want. from him. But I think, yeah, Granit Xhaka's got a lot of issues, and he's had issues in previous games. But because I don't think that's a penalty, I don't think he's made a mistake in that game. I think he's been fucked over because of the name on the back of his shirt mm. and the precedent for his game. Because that, I mean, if we're going to call it a foul that foul hasn't been blown up in the middle of the field for the entire game because we've seen rougher challenges. I mean, you know, minutes later, we can go back to the Rodri one as an extreme example on uh, Martinelli, but there were kind of battles and jostling between Saka and Sterling that didn't result in free kicks, uh, that they were having that kind of battle. But as soon as it was Granit Xhaka, that was it because I thought he was up there with Thomas Partey in terms of how well he was playing. Um, Partey probably better because he was all action. You could see what Partey was doing. But I thought Xhaka was equally as good, bearing in mind that midfield they were playing against in um, Bernardo Silva, who is arguably having, I think they said on commentary, the best um, best season outside of, or is the best player in the league outside of Salah right now. Kevin De Bruyne, who we know what his quality's like, and we kept him quiet for so long. He couldn't get any of his trademark crosses in, and we just dealt with them when they did. And then Rodri, and we bossed that midfield for at least until we lost a man. So that's 60 minutes against Man City. We had them on toast, and it took some guy with a whistle and some guy up in a box in Stockley Park to fuck the game for us. Do you know how many fouls were given against each side, Cal? If you had to guess, because I've had to go and look for this. Because considering both sides were as equally as dirty, pushy, shovey, fouly, pulley, tuggy. But how many so, fouls reckon were given? I do remember a stat that I think someone put in our group that there was uh, 11 fouls for Arsenal. And I think we had something like five yellow cards or something silly like that. It was thirteen fouls to five. We weren't. We didn't foul them three times as much as they fouled us, did we? That's no. And for them, like, like Josh said, it didn't. The only time he got a booking was for taking his shirt off and celebrating. 
I mean, you, uh, how can someone not make the, the PGMOL and the FA accountable and go, right, look, the Saka, the, the Crystal Palace challenge on Saka, the Tommy Asher in the face, the Martinelli one there. Look at this. Look at that. We see it all the time. You are not doing it properly. And there's, um, I said it last night, I was on um, Guns and Yellow Ribbons, but um, Mike Hurts from Not Another Arsenal podcast, he made a brilliant point. There's been corruption in Serie A, Calciopoli, that's, that's happened regularly. Marseille and all that stuff going on in France, that's just the ones we know of. It happened in Germany in 2005. Spain, well, that's just one of the most corrupt leagues in the world for God knows how many reasons. You're telling me out of the top five leagues, the English league is the only one that is crystal clear and... Um, no fat, no, no, consp- no, no nonsense going on, Cut, um, Josh. I mean, you want to put your hat on and got any views on that? Oh, it's absolutely true. I remember, um, you know, Steve saying exactly the same thing. It's been yeah, that did. long that he was, he was always saying, Yeah, we'd agree with them. He's saying, Uh, yeah, it was like Germany, we don't have it. Um, it's, I think, we could probably go into the Liverpool game now, um, or not the Liverpool game and talk about that as well that I would say the only reason that game has been postponed rather than a buy or um, you know a forfeit of a 3-0 and then the second leg goes on is because of the TV rights because there is no way whoever gets the TV money is it the advertising revenue for that game because if, if it's Carabao or uh, the EFL, whoever gets it, is not giving up one leg of Arsenal versus Liverpool. Yeah, dream draw for them. No way they're doing that. Um, you know, if it's Leighton Orient versus Spurs, well, um, you know, it's a you sad day for that. it's a sad day for Leighton Orient people. But you know, Spurs are a small side. Um, Leighton Orient a bigger club, but yeah, it, no one cares for that. It's a busy fixture weekend. But that was the only English game that was going to go on on Thursday. So, of course, it was going to be prime TV spot. Exactly they wanted it. They wanted that game to go on and they will continue and they would do whatever they wanted. Um, and, so yeah, everyone says... But it's, you but it's you play your games. Sorry, but it's even weird that the game was played on a Thursday. Why not a Tuesday? They played on Sunday, right? So, um, there was no reason why the game could not be played on Tuesday. No reason whatsoever. They played um, Chelsea on Sunday. We played Saturday. Why would they make it a Thursday and then have Friday, Saturday off, and then we would be playing Nottingham Forest, weren't we? And they're playing Shrewsbury. So for me, I, I don't know if there's anything behind it. I don't, I don't know if there's a reason why it's played on a Thursday, but there is no reason for the game to be on Thursday. Like for me, I, I don't understand. And I'm assuming what, what, it's... TV schedule. There's a normal European night for Europa. I don't know, but you say the thing Tuesday. But right? it could be that. Champions yeah. League. So, and there was no game on Tuesday. The only game yesterday wasn't EF. Did Derby play? Derby played mm. yesterday, didn't they? But yeah. that, that shouldn't matter. Mm. But I, I don't know. It just seems weird that they put the game on a Thursday. Um, I'm pissed off that, like you were saying, Josh, earlier. The EFL, so all these presidents, and because it's Liverpool, just gets thrown up. It just gets torn up. Like, mm-hmm. Leighton Norian didn't play Spurs because they couldn't field um, they couldn't field the squad and they had to forfeit the game. Aston Villa had to play 
11 <laughs> new players mm. because they couldn't fulfill a squad. 16 and, players made their debut for well, absolutely starting 11 mad. on the bench. And, but it was fine for Liverpool. It was fine for Liverpool to play under eight, some 18-year-olds. <laughs> absolutely fine. But somehow yeah. Liverpool get their game postponed. It's, just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I like everyone keeps saying, there should be literally a list of all people's injuries and also COVID cases. Mm. Like you should say, okay, we have three COVID cases and X amount of injuries because injuries should have come into it. And the fact that they've lost their two best players in Mane and Salah, who have gone to the African Cup of Nations. Can we now, quickly add who have not played any of the previous rounds of the Carabao Cup this season? For Liverpool. Right. There we go. <laughs> That is a list here, people, of um, of all from Wikipedia of all the Liverpool players that have played in the League Cup this season. So, uh, Nineteen players have started League Cup games, and another six different players have come on as subs. So that is twenty-five different players, and that doesn't include um, Alisson, uh, Van Dijk, um, Mane, Salah, and Trent, Trent Derby, and I think there was two others. So that is they've got another seven players on top of that, that 20, 26 they've used. Or twenty-five. That's thirty-two players that they they could have been available if it weren't for the uh, couple of going for to the Afcon. It's just and all, you need, and all you need is fourteen, right? I'm, I'm, is, mm-hmm. Fourteen. So you trying to you're trying to tell me that of all Liverpool players, you mm. could they couldn't muster fourteen players? I'm sorry, bullshit. Mm. Liverpool have minimum about thirty players on their books. Yeah, it's from run. their it's from their twenty-five man squad. If I remember rightly, from reading uh, Simon's article in the Evening Standard on the train homes earlier today, it was something to do with, it's got to be from your 25-man squad, that it's 14 players from that, which is what they've changed from last year. Um, from That's... when Nathan Orient then couldn't fulfil the fixture against Spurs. Um, yeah, it's, it's irritating. I think it's the transparency. I wouldn't necessarily mind if they went, oh, well, you know, it's Curtis Jones, um, Simiscas, or the, their Greek left back, um, Origi, all their goalkeeper, yeah, Origi, anyone that hasn't gone to the couple of nations. The Irish yeah. bloke in goal. Yeah, if it's something like that, and they just go, these are all ones, here's our list of injuries and everything else. It's just, yeah. Um, you know, when we have players that are out for COVID, Mikel Arteta has mentioned every single time. We knew that Tommy Arce was out with COVID. We knew Chambers was out with COVID um, for the it's game the of the weekend. The, the Brentford game, the first game of the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had to ask for a forward line missing. But nothing happened. And again, we, as Arsenal fans, sorry, Josh, I'm taking your tinfoil hat here. Um, <laughs> we, we, you know, we look at things like that and nothing gets done. So we ask for the game to be postponed, apparently, um, against Brentford and we were told no but now games seem to be games seem to be getting dropped left right and centre and you you look at things like that you think to yourself Mm -hmm. what what is it like why why do other teams get the luck of the rubber the green and we don't and it just seems I don't know. Like, I, I don't think, like, if I'm really honest, there's, there is no conspiracy theory against Arsenal. But then you start looking at just certain things and you start thinking, 
hmm, like you do start rubbing your chin and scratching your head and thinking, why us? Like, why is it I, us? I'm shocked. Sorry, Josh. Go on. I don't think there's a conspiracy theory against Arsenal. I think there's a, uh, or a conspiracy against Arsenal. I think there's a conspiracy for every other team and we just get the shit end of it. Yeah. Do Liverpool get prefer- do Liverpool get preferential treatment? Yeah. Yeah. And it just so happens that we've been the victim of it. Do Man United get preferential treatment? Yeah, they got a few years under Ferguson's era. Mm-hmm. And we were always on the end of it. Chelsea get preferential treatment? Of course. Um do Spurs. Yeah. You said it. Um, yeah, the same for Spurs as well. Do we see that they end up getting, um, you know, they don't necessarily get hit with the amount of uh, criticism that they should? Absolutely. No. And, and they it, don't it, get it. it. And it's just it's, to, it's that result. Yeah. So I was going to say, that you look at Lukaku and Harry Kane thing. Hmm. Harry Kane was painted almost as a, as a saint. He literally refused to play and... Gary Neville was saying, oh, he's not that sort of guy. Lukaku comes out in an interview and just saying, you know, I'd love to play for Inter. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to leave. Because he, you know, it's true, he didn't want to leave. But Inter couldn't turn down £100 million pound for him because they were broke. And somehow he's the worst thing since last bread. You know, Harry Kane slides in a two-foot challenge against Liverpool, but he doesn't, nothing happens because he's not that sort of player because he's Harry Kane. You know, they, people get treated differently all the time and like I think you're right Josh we do just get on the end of some really shit decisions like all the time and I guess every team in the league will probably say the same thing but um, they don't expect anything else because they're not a big club well so I think not many people follow more than one team in the same league Um, I would say Brighton were at the end of a shitty decision ending up playing at 8pm on Boxing Day, when there was no public transport to and from the stadium, including Brentford fans, also fucked over by TV as well. So it's not the only uh, Arsenal. Not the only team themselves, were they? No, let's go. Oh uh, well, Amazon, and then you're like, well, Amazon didn't define that Brentford would be at that time. Someone could step in and go, you know mm. what, the FA, that's their job. It's just to go, don't do that because, by the way, TV execs, you're not looking at the wider picture. Um, here's someone from Southern Rail that goes, yeah, we've got no fucking trains running from London um, at that point on Boxing Day because it's fucking Boxing Day um, and it's a bank holiday on a Sunday. So I think there's a lot of things like that that you can see there just isn't that joined up thinking across the board. But I don't care. I mean, how many times have like, games been moved for TV and you think to yourself, okay, yeah, but Arsenal to go up to yeah. Liverpool on a Monday night and play at eight o'clock and you're like the last train leaves at like quarter to nine. So how are you getting back? Like just little things like that. It just it happens, I guess, all the time. And um, I think uh, it's it's one of those as well with the decision about this game as well. I feel it's difficult to feel sorry for Liverpool fans, but there's a small part of me that does with the fact that they would have booked Thursday off work. They would have probably have had to book Friday off work as well to go train to this tickets. game, train tickets, and they are given not just over 24 hours notice for that. And when looking through the rules and some of the rules that people were bringing up, Liverpool were meant to stump up that cost because they postponed the game. 
will Liverpool fans and will Arsenal fans receive a refund courtesy of Liverpool's pockets? And I would say, well, fuck that. Fuck will they? They won't get any money back from it because that game has been cancelled. What, what made me laugh about it is that every little they were trying so hard to get that game cancelled. They were tweeting, oh, we shot our training ground. Oh, um, our assistant manager has now got COVID. Like, like they were trying so hard to influence the EFL. I mean, whatever talks happen behind the scenes, we'll never know. But like, they would never, like, they would never tweet. No, no club would ever tweet. We've had to close our training ground because of COVID cases. Like, never. And then what, what really pisses me off, what really angers me is that they're going to play against Shrewsbury over the weekend. So that game's mm-hmm. not cancelled. That's the one thing that really pisses me off. Like, why would that's they say... That's because the under-8s can play that game. <laughs> it's just it's just mad that... Because they know that, you know, there's no disrespect to Shrewsbury. They can play the under-8s and probably win that game. And they know it's an, it's an easy... It's an easy win. And I really hope they don't. But, you know, let's be honest, it's an easy win for Liverpool. But... For me, it's just, a, it's just a joke. And then all it does is pile up fixture congestion because mm. now they've moved the Burnley game to the Sunday, haven't they? Mm-hmm. So Fucking fans okay. over who probably had tickets, Again, train tickets. Which is just mad. So perhaps just like, yeah, you know, playing on Sunday. There is no regard for fans. It's literally where they're fitting it in. And there are so many games that, you know, the even the Premier League need to reschedule um, for all the other games that have been cancelled. Where are they going to fit those games in? Only God knows. There are going to be teams that are going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, maybe Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe games in the week, three or four. Hundred percent, it yeah. will be because. But luckily we've got no Europe, so we'll be all right while all them are fucked. Well, we haven't got any games been... in hand, have we? I mean, games in hand FC, who, you know, I'd rather have games in hand. Like, they've, they've got to fit in, I think, three games, and they're away games as well. I think Burnley... Um, There's one to Burnley they've got to play, haven't they? Wolves, and, I think, was one. Yeah, mm. which they're not easy games, and I hope they do get fucked up. I mean, they're losing 2-0 now to Chelsea. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, um, I guess that's Liverpool. We've got to talk about the elephant in the room, haven't we? Because we've kind of skated over uh, talking about referees uh, completely. Josh, what my issue is the PGMOL have no accountability. They don't have to answer to anybody. Okay, they have to answer to the FA clearly. But for me, if you're at work, Josh, and you make a mistake, like you, you make a, a glaring mm-hmm. error, just like myself, your manager would come talk to you and say, Josh, this is what's happened, that you shouldn't have done this. But for me, there's no accountability for the PGMOR. There's no transparency within the organisation. No one knows. Like, if I said to you, what kind of training do referees get? What did the referees say? Why don't referees wrap? That even the basic thing of match reports, why don't the referees wrap match reports? Or why are they not out um, in the to the public eye. Yeah. They certainly yeah. need to be published because they are written because half of the things, well, it's one of the reasons why we've got a fine because of us being able to, unable to control our players. Well, if your referee isn't being a twat, 
we might be able to control ourselves definitely isn't making shit decisions um yeah it's it's one of those i'm sure we can continue doing podcasts for the end of days um about referees and how bad they've been but yeah to go into the job analogy if i fuck up a task more than once that task is taken away from me at work i might not necessarily get fired because you know i've not made a mistake that big but if we bring it down to smaller things you know smaller decisions within your wider job role if you get if you make a mistake on a task carl yeah and you do it you know every week for a couple of weeks and it's not enough for you to get reprimanded chances are they're going to kind of take that task away from you and in the sense of refereeing is it making it easier by taking you into a slower pace that's getting demoted that's what you'd see from the refs and yeah we don't see anything like that didn't one of them get demoted for four years for something dodgy and now he's back again yeah it was the ref from this weekend it was the ghost it was the ghost goal from do you remember Reading versus Watford where the linesman gave a goal basically a cross goes in and he just gives a goal and did they disallow it or did it stay no no he gave a goal there's no VIR back then he the ball just went across the face of face of goal wasn't even close to going across the line. And he just, the linesman flags and he gives a goal. Uh, someone was showing, I think it was... Watford uh, Reading. Yeah, Watford Reading. Uh, I think Fife tweeted, uh, retweeted it earlier, if you're looking quickly for the tweet. Um, but yeah, it's the ghost goal from the EFL. It was um, mental. My issue is that he gets fast-tracked back into the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, there's been a lot of talk about his performance on this game. But the thing is, he'll still referee next week or this weekend, like in the FA Cup somewhere. I'm sure he will. My my issue is that if you... <sighs> he's made mistakes in that game. Everyone can see it, irrespective of whether you're an Arsenal fan, a Man United fan, a Man City fan, people can look at that game. I mean, Rio Ferdinand um, almost tore him to shreds. Even BT Sports um, presenter tore him to shreds how how the mistakes he made. But the thing is, nothing's going to get done. And the only thing... Or my issue is that the PGMO was punishment is, oh, do you know what, we'll make him a, a fourth official the next game. Or we'll make him a VAR referee. He's not taking that the firing line. It's such a closed shop, the PGMO world, because no one knows anything about the organisation, nothing at all. Like like you said, Josh, there was match reports, but they're not made public. There were so many things that they could do to to change their image. If they was to... All referees are mic'd up. Why can we not hear what they're saying? Yeah, that is from Arnie Carl. Mm-hmm. No English ref in the Euro and in the World Cup says it all. Yeah, the greatest league Arsene in the Mega, world, though. Arsene Wenger came out and said it, and you know, I think I think that was something that hurt Arsene Wenger's reputation because we got no decisions after that. But it's mm-hmm. the truth: we are one of three leagues that have professional referees, and no mm-hmm. one went to the World Cup that year. Like it was ridiculous. Like I don't know. There's so many things that I feel that they could do, and it's really small, minor changes. Just let us listen to whatever you're saying on your mics at home. We could easily 
Sky could easily have um, a red button where you could listen to everything they say, or even decisions that they're being decisions that are being made. You should be able to listen to those, but for some reason, we're not allowed to. And every uh, every ground has a tannoy system as well. So because they have to for making like announcements. NFL. Yeah, so just like we in NFL or in rugby, you can hear what the referee's saying in the stadium as well. Or you can hear the conversation between VAR as well. And it's they're in a professional surrounding, so their language would be professional. It's not like they're going, all right, mate, how's it going? Oh, how's the missus? All of that nonsense when they're talking about a decision. And if they are, then actually broadcasting it, it's going to see them change their act. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean, I don't, on, I've never watched a game of rugby in my life, and I know that. Well, I assume from what I've heard that the referees in rugby's uh, are respected and they do their job well. And that's somebody's never. I've never watched a game of rugby in my life, so I'd have no idea. They're mics up, so they so they, they have to explain their decisions, and then a load of um, pissed middle class white people go, and that's that's rugby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Fifey. laughs> I, I, I just yeah I just like you said there's just so many little subtle changes they could do and they don't do it and this is why the referees get so much hatred just make it a little bit transparent like that Danny alluded to earlier I mean Sean Massey is the only assistant referee um, female the, every other referee or assistant referee in the league is male, white, between the ages of 35 and, what, 50 or whatever. Like, how how in England is the most multicultural country, one of the most multicultural countries in the world, there's no non-white referees? London has 9 million people living in here and not one, ref- not one referee comes from London. Like just little things, you look at things like that, and you're trying to and you're trying to tell me that it's all transparent. Like it's not. It's and I don't want to do too much on on referees because we could talk, we could die a death talking about referees, just be silly. But for me, there has to be some sort of change. There has to be something that you know in the summer they they do do something to say, okay, you know what, we're going to make a new rule. We're going to let you listen to the mics or release the match report so you can see what's happened like what's the point of writing match reports that no one can see someone's um, made a point here with don one they've uh he says and just bring the best refs from around the world now is that feasible josh where there could be some organization that go right we're refereeing we're ref if you want to be part of this all the top leagues maybe some others you have maybe even a tier system all the top referees and they referee all around the world or wouldn't that work because they don't have that they can't speak the right languages well yeah because we always struggle in europe as well because that's the problem with referees in the champions league now they can the language barrier isn't a problem and it's not like the uh english game is not awash with a fuck ton of cash to get people in you know, if people we could double, triple, I imagine, other leagues' referee salaries, either the, the professional ones and the semi-professional ones, and we're a league that bring in the best managers and some of the best players in world football, and in the managers, apparently, it's all right just to have the English ones that come from little northern towns um, and decree that they support 
um, certain teams uh, in the lower league conferences that will never make it to the um, the heady heights of their local Premier League team based in Lancashire um, or Merseyside or Greater Manchester, just to cover at least, I think, four referees with that um, small catchment area of about 200 square miles. Um, yeah, it, it's got to be, it's feasible. So it's it's one of those that if it's feasible, why aren't they doing it? And then you've got to look at the reason why they're not doing it. And it's clearly because they've got a good thing going. And how much they get paid? I imagine they probably, I think I remember seeing Howard Webb got something like 100 grand a year. It says here, this is from Goal in um, this year or last year. It says referees in the top flight in England can earn as much as 70 grand a year. They are paid a basic yearly retrainer between 38 and 42,000 pounds based on experience. And then they are paid 1,150 per match on top of that. Championship championship referees get the same, but only get paid 600 pounds per game. And so- com- Hold on, before that, um, in uh, so in, uh, the top countries, it's uh, 1,150 for England plus the, the basic um, huge retainer. Spain, they get 5,200 per game with no basic wage. Germany, 3,000, Italy, 3,000, France, 2,400, and Portugal, 1,000. And Champions League referees get five and a half thousand pounds per game if they are in the elite tier. Mm. Which is right. at least two of the referees that are in um, England. So someone like Anthony Taylor, because mm-hmm. he does European fixtures as well, will be up at that and probably is deemed top of the best referees. Will get a hundred grand at least a year, um, and says he supports Altrincham Town despite living next to Old Trafford. <laughs> so do you know what's <laughs> mad? I look at that. So you get paid a wage to do your job. And then you get paid another extra wage to actually do your job. Yeah, like an appearance fee for a player. <laughs> that is, that is, do you know, that is mad. And then on top of that, there's no, if they're refereeing, refereeing away, like let's say um, one of the normal ones are refereeing down at Brighton, they must get the hotels paid for, travel yeah. expenses, all yeah. of these people don't forget are... all of the um the the bungs they get from the um all the gambling firms and uh spot shirt sponsorship or sleeve sponsorship kit sponsorship yeah. i should say for libelous reasons that they definitely don't always get bungs from um from gambling firms uh, to ensure okay. that they've given enough corners and the arsenal have got enough yellow cards and yes. betting points equal certain numbers they need to but yeah um, it, it, it's crazy that I don't know. That, that, that's kind of shocked me. Um, the, the wage they get, like I, I just thought it was like they get maybe sixty grand flat fee um, a year, and obviously travel expenses. I wouldn't, I, I would expect them to get their travel expenses, but they get paid to do their job and then actually get paid an appearance fee, basically for actually doing the job. Mm. That, that's for me is absolutely crazy. Like for me, I don't know, Josh. Do you think there should be some sort of, I don't know almost like a voting system for clubs or like <laughs> no a like jury, like jury selection service. Like, like I don't see you, how a referee... They're never getting you to ref because everybody has <laughs> to be voted out. But I don't see how a referee can be refereeing for like 15 years in the Premier League. I, I don't see how that should happen because if you have a dislike into a club, and let's face it, all the referees are human beings. 
So no, if you have a bad experience somewhere, you are going to, that's going to affect you. Like when they say they're non-biased, of course referees are. If you go to a club and you make a bad decision and for 90 minutes, the crowd is shouting, the referee's a wanker. You're not, you're going to remember that and you're not mm. going to referee the game fairly. There's no way that every single referee is impartial. Impossible. We are human right. beings. Like, no. it's, yeah. not, it's not going to happen. So how referee can be refereeing for, I don't know, 10, 15 years in the Premier League, mm. that should not happen. You should have a lifespan, I don't know, and that would create mm. high turnover as well. Yeah. If you said, right, after 10 years, that's it. Yeah, we, we know that referees have got their biases. Mark Clattenburg said it um, after he retired <clears throat> that there were certain clubs and certain teams and certain players he enjoyed or didn't enjoy refereeing. Um, yeah, John Moss loves uh, every club that gives him extra gravy on his chips at full time. Uh, <laughs> and there's, there's time. definitely stuff in there. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's so many referees we can pick from individuals that shouldn't be there anymore. Um yeah, that's the downside of going back to football is you can see that there are certain referees who cannot keep up with play and will just are just not there anymore. They're just not fit enough. And partly it's because refs aren't coming through to replace them, but you can also see as they're comfortable in that position. And as Danny said, they're, they've got a lifestyle. If you drop them down to the championship, they're losing money on their appearance fees. John Moss shouldn't be managing or refereeing. Uh, even in the championship level, he should be in League One. He just can't keep up with the, the pace of play. And he then wouldn't get his basic, basic wage. But he's mates with everybody. You know, he's been mates with Mike Riley for 15, 20 years. He's not going to send his mate out to uh, pastures new. It's not going to happen. So as you said, he's got to bring in some kind of uh, some kind of turnover model in there. You know if we put a time on it, something will change in the rules because a certain referee that's liked by people will then, um, you know, will find a way or they'll find a way of keeping them on for 11 years, even though they're meant to be gone after 10. Um, but as you say, there are leagues that have multicultural refs in there. Well, not multicultural necessarily, but refs from alternate, uh, from different countries. Like Howard Webb and I think Kalina and Klattenberg have all gone and worked in the UAE for their league for refereeing and brought in group different refs from different parts of the world into leagues. So there is a precedent for it. But you know what? It's just, they're not going to do it. They've got a good thing going. Um, it's like a more, uh, it's like a working class version of the uh, of uh, Eastern schoolboys. It's basically that. It's the old boys club. That's it. It's basically the Bullingdon club for the working class. It's, it's, just crazy that you know there's no accountability like referees making a mistake nothing happens and we just keep it moving um is mike dean still a referee at the moment yeah he made his debut in the september 2000 atkinson in um, 2004 <laughs> andrew marner 2004 you say they're only meant to be referee oh, it says here 32 years 33 33 25 um, Kevin, for, oh, this is how old they are. Oh, it can't be how old they are. Age at debut. All right, so, yeah, trying to figure that out. But, yeah, trying to find the actual ages of the referees. I've looked at about eight sites and none of them have the actual ages. That's a bit convenient. Mm-hmm. I mean, it says here how what their date of birth is. Like Mike Dean, he's been doing it the longest. 
and his date of birth, he's 53 years old, refereeing since 1985. Absolute joke of a, when the, the whole system is, as we know. But can we do anything about it? The thing is, when I would love to know whether, you know, like, say, Arsenal get decisions go against them. I'd love to know if Arsenal Football Club do write to the PGMLO and ask for an explanation as to why. I'm not, I'm not talking every single decision because that would be, just be stupid. But so, so if I was Arsenal now, I would say, can you tell me why Ben Godfrey did not get booked for stamping on Tommy Ashley's face? That's fair enough, right? You'd, you'd ask that question. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd, I'd really want an explanation. I'm, again, an explanation. Can you tell me why Harry Maguire, um, well, we didn't get a penalty against Manchester United for Harry Maguire pulling Tommy Asu's shirt, but uh, Granite Xhaka got a, yellow, got a penalty against him and a yellow card for pulling Bernardo Silva. Can you tell me the difference between those? Ask for an explanation. But, you know, do, do football clubs do that? Should football clubs do that, Josh? I think it was one of those, you'd need a consensus from all the clubs. And as we've mentioned, we know we get fucked over by decisions, generally. Uh, but uh, other clubs, the ones we've mentioned to, may benefit not completely from the system, but it could certainly get worse. Are they going to uh, try and push back against it? We'll talk about, um, oh, let me think of a club that's um, definitely not got any favourable decisions this week. Uh, Liverpool. Let's go with Liverpool. Uh, they, they've got no favourable decisions that happen with them there. But if they changed that and said, yeah, let's reform it, they're not going to get a better life. All that's going to happen is they're going to end up with a level playing field and probably 98% of the penalties that are won by Mohamed Salah are given as dives correctly. Um, that's probably the big things that are going to happen. Uh, and they're just going to go, no, they're not going to bother. Um, they because they'll probably end up being worse from it. Same Man United, same with Man City, same with Chelsea, uh, same with Spurs. It's It's got to be something dramatic. I mean, we saw uh, Andre Mariner send off uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain when it was Kieran Gibbs who handballed it. And you think at that point that was enough for reform. When you've got that kind of decision being made and there's so many layers to how that decision how Andre Mariner could have come to that decision that meant he shouldn't have been refereeing again I but, think that happened as he was dropped for a few games and yeah. straight back into it mm -hmm. yeah um, but I think that's possibly running I say not the course on referees but I think we certainly getting to the end yeah. uh, of perhaps need to move on we can't really well ask uh, Danny what's your lineup for the Liverpool game um, <laughs> it would be uh, Ian Rushing goal Kenny Dalgleish is uh, left back uh, Jan Mulby uh, sweeper mm. and that'll do that'll be it Jimmy Tarbuck in centre back I oh think obviously he's about and Silla Black coming on the sub yeah that'd be a proper surprise for everybody <laughs> they dig her up and chuck her on the pitch <laughs> well they've got someone did a, a, a tweet um, saying just how many players they have got I probably won't be able to find mm -hmm. it now but maybe if I go to uh, there and go 
Oh, it's the same as us. Uh, if you go into the list of players we've got registered for Premier League spot, it's a. I think we've got like under nines registered because we can. As soon as they're under twenty one, you can name as many as you want there. Um, mm. Which it doesn't necessarily sit right that it's as you say. We've got eighteen year olds. So like Bukayo Saka, we don't need to register as a player because he's too young. Doesn't need to be. Uh, Smith Rowe doesn't need to be registered because he's below the threshold that he needs to be registered in our full squad and that's the uh, <laughs> oh dear Avon uh, saying Robbie Fowler will be running the line um, yeah he'll be yeah. on his knees on his <laughs> knees <laughs> just needs to pick me up at half time so looking at the whole situation with the referees do our English referees go and play in the we're going to ref in the Champions League and European competition and are as bad there as as uh, favourable. Yes. So, do you? I don't know if you remember. France played. I don't watch international football. And I so don't watch France played. I can't remember the other day, and it was all English referees and the English referee in the VAR. It was a blatant offside, and I mean, it was so blatantly offside, and they gave the goal. And I remember kicking off and like, why the fuck is that being given? Oh, English referees. Like, it was Mbappe, wasn't it? And he was about. Yes. Yeah. He was, a, he was about. He was in a different borough of Paris. He <laughs> was so far offside. <laughs> and everyone was like, why is that being given? And then they come up, yeah, all English referees that, oh, that's the reason why. So they're just bad all over the place. I think you can uh, sum up English referees in one incident. I think it might have been Ian Wright or someone. The referee dropped his cards, and Ian Wright picked up the card, whoever it was, and showed him a red card for it. And then he got booked for doing that. <laughs> That, that, in a nutshell, is English referees. It's a hierarchy. I said it on the um, Guns and Yellow Ribbons last night. Royal family, answerable to nobody. Underneath that, you've got the politicians, only answerable to the royal family. Underneath that, you've got the, the police. And then underneath that, you've got us lot. And then the further up you go, the less answerable you are. And the FA and the PGMOL are above everyone else in football. And we know how corrupt UEFA and FIFA and the World Cup and the Olympics. Everyone, all that lot is corrupt. And so there's no answering. And it's just, you have that English, that British thing, if you don't question your superiors. Like at co-work, Carl, you can walk around in your pants slapping people on the back of the head. No one's going to say anything because you're the boss. Damn right. See? It's Loves it. Um, yeah. Um, I guess like Nick says, t- he said, three three yellow cards, Graham Pohl. <laughs> D-Bo. Like, yeah. They are so, so bad. Um Josh, you want to touch quickly on Nottingham Forest? Uh, yeah, the Jenkinson Derby. I think he's still there. <laughs> he's he's still not there? played a single game this season. I think in the mm. three seasons he's been there, he's played about five league games. I mean, it's the same as Arsenal, isn't it? He's just there for the good vibes. I'd love to get him to come on here. Now that he's not doing anything, maybe we should ask him. Well, yeah, yeah definitely. I'm sure he's got a Twitter account or something like that. But um, Josh, just quickly, would you go full strength against Nottingham Forest? Um, no, I would say like part strength. I think one of the things that's kind of helped us with this moment, um, but not, is the fact that we've got some players that are, um, you know, we know we're missing Thomas Partey. We look kind of short in midfield at the moment. Perhaps it gives us an opportunity to bring in, and I'm sure we can talk about transfers. Um, yes, there we go. As Dejan was asked, um, you know, who we could bring in central midfield because I think it's a good time now. So let's, um, 
Yeah, because we would have arguably said, well, let's talk about Maitland-Niles because I would have said it would be a game for him. I think it's the stupidest thing letting them go before we bring someone else in. Genuinely. I think that is so... So we're relying our two out-and-out recognised centre midfielders are the Congo and Xhaka at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I understand what people will say. Yes, Odegaard can play there. Yes, Smith-Rowe could play there. But for me, it's not... I just think letting him go now, and there must be something that Roma have said. Roma must have said, we want him straight away because you could have waited to the last day of the transfer window to let him go, but we're deciding to let him go very, very early. So there must be something in that. And unless we have something up our sleeve, then for me, I think it's a really, really silly thing to let him go, especially knowing how COVID could just ruin you as well. Like, mm. if you, if two of our midfielders get COVID, that's it, you, you, you finish. So, I don't know. I'm hoping that Arsenal got something up their sleeve. Mm. Um, yeah. Thomas Party's come down with a bump. He's uh, AFCON warm-up. Algeria 3, Ghana 0, and Party played, it looks like, just off the striker. With five men in defence, three in central midfield. Bloody hell, I think he's regretting that. He might be coming back because they're, they're not going to do well at the AFCON. And then we'll be doing the, um, the Mohamed El Nenny Wonderland. Might do a couple of shows for that. <laughs> but yeah, um, what do you think, Josh? Do you think him going at this point in the so early Chatham when there's a, a city thing, or can you see the reason why? Um, yeah, I don't. He hasn't played for us since we what since we lost against Liverpool four um, nil. Uh, he's not adding anything to the squads. Are we talking about uh, Maitland Niles? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's clearly not conforming, should we say, to uh, everything? The leader, <laughs> yeah, um, to the leader. So I think. I'm not that bothered with him going, to be honest. Nottingham Forest, playing against Nottingham Forest is kind of his level. Um, all the other games we've got planned, I would rather see Xhaka and um, Lukonga start. If we end up with an injury, we might rue it. But you know what? We fucked Maintenance over a lot recently. So at least we could offer him something as a bit of re- uh, recompense. Because we definitely, well, we said we denied... Um, Roma the option um, to buy him at the end of uh, of end of the loan period to ensure that we could get a little bit more money for him as well. So uh, I think we can we'll, we'll let him. Yeah, I'm not that bothered with him going to be honest because I don't think he had a future in the squad anyway. What we don't want is a Sabios back for a third loan. <laughs> he's not well, played no. a single minute. I don't think he's registered with um, Real at the moment. He, he didn't. He play. I thought he played this week because they've run out of midfielders. Oh, maybe they've re- when you can re- um, have your your plan re- redo the list, can't you? Mm, perhaps. Yeah. Um, am I the only person genuinely who can? Because I've asked this in one of our groups. You don't need to register players to play in the um, FA Cup. Can you we say see the is in one of our groups? I asked no. this question. Oh, you asked. Oh, I thought I said the ox is in one of our groups. I thought so many. I wouldn't even notice. Um, am I the only person who can genuinely see Jack Wilshire maybe making a surprise appearance uh, against 
Go on, Nottingham Jack. Forest. Mate, because he he was he's been in so many training. I understand that he's um, with us for fitness, but he takes an abs- an active role in training. So, and like I said, you don't need to register um, for cup games or at least for the FA Cup. So, I know your answer to this, Josh, and I probably know Danny's answer to this as well. But would you be opposed to that happening? Like, I understand what you're going to say, Josh, but just tell the people. Uh, I mean, it's great for nostalgia, isn't it? But um, probably, I would hope, shut most people up because I'm not necessarily sure Jack's... Well, actually, no, because we we might actually be able to get him on this podcast. So, yes, Jack Wilsh would be great coming back for Arsenal. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I I, Same as Maitland-Niles, I think, in terms of where the quality is right now. Against Nottingham Forest, maybe, if we have a decent squad around him. He could certainly get minutes, um, give him minutes for that game. But uh, I I don't think it's one I'd try and pursue. I'd rather give, if we've got a central midfielder, you know, um, Patino, I'd rather give Patino the minutes. Oh, 100%. Uh, over, just, over Super Jack. Um, the problem is, what you want from a stopgap is that they're reliably available in terms of fitness. And I know Jack will say that he's got a track record now of being available, but it was in a league which is slightly less physical and not at the same pace. If he was been playing more recently, I think it would be, it'd be an opportunity for him, but I'm not sure if uh, if he's a player that I'd want to be bringing back in. The same goes for, I'd ask the question, Carl, Aaron Ramsey has just been declared by Allegri to be an outgoing player. Uh-huh. You bringing Aaron Ramsey back? That went well. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I can hear, I can hear Jason Davies right now saying, "Well, oh, bring him back, bring him back." But um, no, I, yeah. no, I. He, he's got Newcastle written all over him, hasn't he? Let's be honest. But um, poor guy. Jesus. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want a language back, barrier between them. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you can just tell that Aaron Ramsey's definitely going to Newcastle. But um, yeah, for me, no, I wouldn't want Ramsey back. Mm. Yes, his injury record has been atrocious since he's been in Italy. Um, or he just hasn't had the time to get games like at all. They haven't Allegri hasn't deemed him good enough to play for for them. So because then he send them away to England to go and get um fit. Like I'm sure he's he's come Allegri said today that he mm. he come to England to get fit. So he's not even training in Italy. So that just he's says it all now. like Oh, he's in the country now, is he? Yeah, he'd returned from being in England. So, yeah, but for me, no, Ramsey. I mean, I guess like you, you said, Josh, even just for nostalgic reasons, that's the only reason why I want um, Wilshire back. I wouldn't have him in the probably the league starting lineup. Like I wouldn't want him to be registered to play, um, you know, against Tottenham, put it that way. Like, mm. I would never that, but. For London Forest, would I sort of, you know, put him in the squad? I probably would, because it, you can play for up to two clubs, can't you? Um, mm-hmm. Three clubs in the in the in the season. So in the calendar you know, year. Yeah. So if you said, you know what, we'll keep you back to London Forest, you know, show what you can do. Don't get injured. Don't let we'll kick your ankles. And then <laughs> another club might say, oh, he's not actually too bad. You know, can't play for us. Like so. Yeah. Um, 
But like you said, if it's over him and Patino, I'm giving the minutes to Patino all day. A bit much for a young man, isn't it? No, get Jack back. He's even Arteta said he's been one of the fittest players, getting involved in everything. And we need a leader on the pitch when Xhaka gets sent off every other game. <laughs> so it's 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 a no it's it's no question. He's thirty years old. A couple of days ago, um, four days ago, happy birthday, Jack, first of January. And it's not going. He's going to give everything, and then he, he knows what the club's like. There's no settling in period. He's been training and doing all that stuff with all the players already. There is no downside to Charlie Patino coming in. I mean, yes, he's got a hundred percent goal record. He's the only player in Arsenal's history that I know of. <laughs> but that's that's too much for a kid to come in and play some play some games, maybe. But no, Jack's the answer. You watch, Jack's back. You better What's the be. question. <laughs> oh gosh. Um should we get into listeners' questions? Yeah, yeah, I think we can get into some questions. Do you want Let's to do them, Josh? While I'm while I'm just uh, flaking today's show, I've done mm. 412 shows in a row. <sighs> and yeah, don't we know it? Um, Carl, question for you. Oh, uh, on, Carl laughed a bit too much at that. How <laughs> dare you, sir? Uh, uh, Carl, what happens if Arsenal get a have a COVID break next week? Do Liverpool get a bye? This is from and. Two, three, five, one hundred. I'm not pressing any oh. more buttons, Josh. You're in charge of bringing up all the highlights. Okay. <laughs> of course they do. Like <laughs> Liverpool will get a five-nil win, forfeit, um, and then they'll also probably get all the match. We'll have to pay them all the gate receipts as well that we, that we didn't play the game. It's just mm. it's just a joke, isn't it? Like because for if that does happen. And we have an outbreak, and we want that game postponed. When are you going to play any of those legs? Um, so it, it's very weird. Um, the EFL again have now set a precedent, haven't they? So you know, if we want the game postponed, uh, I'm sure Arteta can get um, COVID for a third, <laughs> a third time. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I you know, in all seriousness, I just think it's really silly. Like mm-hmm. I understand. But they could have fulfilled that fixture with the play mm-hmm. some players. There's no doubt. I have no doubt Liverpool could have. They've just chosen not to. So Yeah. 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 I think they'd get a bye for that game, but they'd also get a bye for the league game that we've got outstanding with them as well that got moved. Um for I can't remember what reason. Oh, for the uh Carabao Cup final. It's one of our games in hand that's coming up is uh, against Liverpool. We also have a game in hand against Chelsea. Because yes. the Club World Cup, um, mm-hmm. as well as the other game, was it Wolves that got moved? I can't remember. Wolves as well. Yeah. We've got yeah. to play that game as well. Yeah. Uh, Danny, question for you. From our very own Richard, Catch Cash, your Egyptian brother from a different mother. Um, how do we get younger and newer refs into football? Don't. Because Excellent. You, get shit, you get shit on from a great level by everybody. There is no respect for referees at the bottom, and you have to start at the bottom and work your way up. And when you've got dads screaming, their three year olds are playing football, and their dads are out with sniper rifles trying to kneecap the referees because they didn't, because little Johnny um, had a goal disallowed. I mean, Richard coaches, uh, I think they're under 12 girls, and uh, he'll know better than any of us if uh, what, what, what you can do with that. So maybe we'll save that for a week when Richard is on. 
But do you? So we have professional referees. Why can't you train Johnny from the streets to be a referee if they are professional referees with training? Mm. Why do you need to start at Sunday League grassroots level? Yeah, it's not like they're doctors, is it? You can it's train hard. <laughs> but you can train anybody yeah. to do any job in the world. So your why... you're too good at that. Far too good. But but you kind of get what I'm saying though. You can why can't you take someone from the street and train them up to be a professional referee? There's there's not there's no there's uh, there's no reason why you have to be a Sunday league referee and work your way up if they're professional referees. Well it's a closed shop, isn't it? They don't want people, they they mm. want to still be refereeing at fifty three years old. I can barely be able to get out of bed most days and I'm fifty one. They don't have fifty three. There's only now a route for what referees can now do. They can now sit in a box on their own, talking to BT Sport and getting abused by Jake Humphreys. Uh, I saw on the regular. this last week. It was um, BT Sport. They had a Scottish bloke doing the hosting. It all it was shit. You couldn't understand a mm. word he was saying. And then you had Robbie Savage and you had Chris Sutton there, and they had the referee. My God, they were going at him for twenty mm. minutes. And we'll explain this. We'll explain that. We'll do this. Well, how about that? It was it was almost like a, like a gangbang. Poor bloke. He, he left that place dribbling from every orifice. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, oh, there's a question in here that I think oh, I'm going to give to Danny. I just what gangbang means. Shit. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking wrestling. With, um, so you just realised, I'm sure, Danny. You've yeah. known John Welch <laughs> long enough to know what that means. Oh, I'm thinking maybe like a Royal Rumble. I was thinking of a wrestling no, term. Sure you were, Danny. Um, yes. Right. Um, Sorry, ma'am, if you're watching. I'm going to go for a question from... Uh, oh, who am I even asking? Uh, There's only two of us. You've um, done me. Right. All right. <laughs> I'll ask Carla yourself, Josh. All right. No, Danny, I'm going to ask you this question from Loki73. How about standing at the Arsenal? Never done it. Thoughts on know. standing? Yeah. Never done it. Uh, Carl, <laughs> stay standing. You got to bring it in. Laughing you, at right? the infirmed. What have we come to? <laughs> Jesus Mate, Christ! I mean, it's, it's something. I mean, Danny, you was probably around, uh, definitely alive with um, Hillsborough. You would remember that. I mm. definitely don't. Um, football's come a long way, and safety standards have definitely come a long way uh, since then. And I'm all for people. If, you, if we can do it safely, then definitely we should. We should try it. Many might have tried it. Um, in their game against Wolves, I believe, and to the best of my knowledge, it went okay. Um, I believe Chelsea have it um, as well at Stamford Bridge. So, listen, I'm all for it because people want to stand up at football. You know, like at Arsenal and anyone who's ever been to a game, you stand up and you get told to sit down. Like you're getting told to sit down, and you're blocking people's views and. Stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely for anything that can be done to enhance the atmosphere, um, but make sure it's done safely, definitely. But would you want to, would you two want to stand? Because you're a gentleman of a certain age with sore feet and bad backs and sore knees. But it's your cue, isn't it? I'm, I'm healthy, Danny. I can stand for 90 minutes. Okay, you <laughs> should be a referee then. Carl, would yeah. you? you look I, I, I would. You like I, I, a luxury recliner and uh, a bag of popcorn and a blanket. Yeah, I would, bed. because remember, you've got a bar there you can lean on if you if you get tired. But I, I would. If it like, gets too much. Yeah, if it gets... I, I, 
I would, because it's not like your crowd is, you get a set place to stand. So it's not like they're overselling mm. the standing because you're going to stand in row one, row one A, row one B. Like, so it's not going to be, you're not going to be all hunched in. So yeah, I, I would. And there are like the younger generation who are coming through now, they want to stand. Yes, the the, Peter, the people of an older generation, they may want to sit down um for the whole game and that's fine but I definitely would I mean um, like uh, Don Juan said at away games you don't sit down no one sits down at away mm. games everyone stands up and the stewards do not tell you to sit down it's only Arsenal where they literally like Arsenal score a goal you clap celebrate watch it on the Jumbotron and then within about 30 seconds you get told to sit down so yeah say something Definitely should try out Arsenal. Yeah, uh, I would. I would agree, and I'm sure Danny would if he could. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so, a proper question for you now, Danny, from Richard again. Uh, Richard's given us lots of questions, and it only makes sense to go to you. Um, on Askcast, Andrew brought up the idea of sin binning and orange cards. Would you look to bring that in, um, or? Do you think referees should just be better? Um, I think they should be a little bit more fucking professional, as Venezuelan John used to shout at us in the early <laughs> days of AVW. Be more professional, you C-words. But I am by not using the C-word. Uh, it's. I, I think it would help a lot because, like with the Gabriel second thing, that you could have given him an, an orange card and said, off you go, five minutes off. But then what happens if, if players think, well, it means I can I can do a little bit of a worse tackle and then my my punishment isn't as bad. And then what? how many players do you have in the sin bin before you go, well, well we've got five players in there. Um, you've got four from one side and three from another side. And then before you know it, you've got a five a side of nonsense. So I don't think it would work, but I think it'd be interesting. But you know what the FA are like. They're bloody, they don't want to bring anything in new that might make the game a little bit better. Yeah, that know? is true. Uh, that would probably be a FIFA rule, though, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be an FA. That would definitely have to go to FIFA to change. Yeah, I t- also don't necessarily think, yeah, orange cards would just get abused as badly as yeah. yellow and red. They don't need something in between. What they actually need to do is use the red and yellow cards properly. Um, we're not even taking that sort of five sub thing, are we? Most of Europe are using five subs. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, not. we're not doing that. Because it's the people like Sean Dyche and Bernie who get annoyed that the bigger clubs got bigger squads and it's more of an advantage. I don't understand how whether you having five subs in the Premier League is so weird. Well then we have it in cup competitions, don't we? We yeah, got it, it in the EFL we got it in the EFL Cup. No yeah. five subs in the EFL Cup anyway. Was it? Yes, only in the Premier League we don't. Do you know what a bit of trivia here for you? Yeah. Arsenal had the first ever fourth and fifth subs in British football, English football. We did. Yeah, FA Cup final, wasn't it? No, I mean in um, in, in, in it was in the COVID area era for a Premier yeah, League game. I thought it was the FA Cup. Oh, okay. Mm. Nice. We had the first fourth one, didn't we? Because that was the uh, extra time one. Well, I, I did write yes. it down at one point. Yeah. Oh. Well, I prefer to make make up my facts. It makes life more interesting, especially on Twitter. Um. <laughs> Carl, question for you. Coutinho, yay or nay? Nay. Keep cool. moving. Uh, 
Danny, Coutinho, Fuck no. Fuck yay, nay, or why I? Get fucked. Yeah, it's more likely why I. Don't or, we, we've uh, had enough trouble with Ozil. It's just, a, it's just a, a better tanned Ozil mincing around think, the pitch on half a minute. I don't think he'll bring anything to us. I genuinely don't think he'll bring anything to our team. No. Pepe brings more to our team, and that's because he's tall enough to get the cobwebs out from the training grounds that are up in the corner. <laughs> um, question for you, Carl. Uh, again, from Richards. Um, with... The Conservative, make the Niles moving abroad. Surely we're bringing a new midfielder. Um, anyone that you're inclined, any names you've heard on the grapevine? I think Collings has fed us with a... Yeah. Um, he's well, been quite mean, this, hasn't he? He's, yeah, he has. It's gruel-like. Especially mm. as he's got a game to commentate on now. And he spits in it. Yep. There's this little guy who runs. He lives um, down on the... Southwest coast in Plymouth, no. and um, he's quite. He's not going to be listening. He's quite in the know, um, I, I believe. And um, I believe there's a that Bruno person from uh, France that in denial. we keep mm. getting linked with. Um, this is where we're going to stump up the money to pay for him. To be honest, I, I, I have no. There's no one that springs out to me that oh, we should get him. We should get him. We should get him. Um, we do need a body in midfield. That's hundred percent. There's there's no doubt that we need somebody there. Who that person is, I don't know. That's for Mikel. <laughs> it's that DNA and um, <laughs> and Eddie to sort out. Um, who the who's this person? Ellis. Do you know what? Hashtag fuck Ellis. By the way, hashtag congratulations Ellis. But more. Hashtag fuck Ellis. Um, yeah, I don't know who we're going to bring in. Um, Chris, if he was doing podcasts, will tell you more about Bruno. Um, Those days have gone, Carl. We need to move on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, uh. Who to bring in. Um, I don't know. Top of my head, there's no... There is no one that stands out. January is a really hard time to buy players, I think. A really, really hard time to buy players because... Our people are really settled into their to their squads. If they're in Europe, they're not going to come to us to play non-European football. Um, mm. Anyone who moves in January kind of wants first team opportunities. So, your what you're looking at is is somebody going to replace Jacker? Is someone going to replace Partey? Because those are the if we're bringing in centre midfielders, those are the two players that you need. One of two that you need to displace. Um, Mikel Arteta absolutely loves Granit Xhaka, so I can't see him dropping Xhaka. Is he going to drop Partey? I don't know. So it, uh, the centre midfield is, is is really hard. Like I personally think we need a centre midfielder and a striker um, because if Abramian is ever to be seen again. You never know. He might be going up to the northeast um, to play in black and white. You never know. That might happen. But if it ever does happen, you know, we, we definitely do need a striker. So for me, I don't know. Bring back Jack Wilshire. Fuck you, Josh. Bring back Jack uh, Wilshire. <laughs> I was a formerly knows as one. I was like, not, I, I would not recall Glenn Doozy. Yeah. Absolutely, oh, no. That cow is fattening up quite nicely at Marseille and he can stay there because he is a twat. Um, and we've mentioned on Bruno, I'd take 
yeah, I think Bruno coming in, uh, Bruno Gamarez, he'd be one that I think he, he comes in for? with a place for Leon. Uh, I would imagine the proviso would be we're moving on one of our midfielders, our first choice midfielders uh, in the summer. I imagine maybe Granit Xhaka yeah. moves on yeah. if if uh, he comes in because we need a replacement for Xhaka. We've got the replacement for Partey already. His, uh, his name is Sambi Lukonga. Um, but yeah, we need somebody else, I think, to come in. Um, but I'm not necessarily sure who else. Um, for strikers, pretty sure the guy from Fiorentina is going to go to Juventus. So um, exactly. I will give another name with the reason why Chris is not podcasting in January is because he's currently in his masturbatorium uh, thinking about <laughs> Alexander Isaac being uh, the next Arsenal striker for us because he bloody loves him. Um, but Danny, that's that's all of the questions because I think the other one... We've got from, one in our chat. Well, I've got one chat. in there. Yeah. Uh, oh, in our private chat. Yeah, it was the one oh, from yes. Twitter. Oh, yeah, because somebody... It's a good one. one from Twitter. Uh, is it for me or is it from me? No, it's from Josh Robinson, 87. Um, Oh, it's a good one. I think we'll all do it. But yeah, let's talk about some contracts. Lacazette, uh, we offered him a one-year deal. Oh, no, we haven't. We did offer him a one-year deal, but his contract expires in uh, the end of the season. Arteta's uh, in 18 months. Saliba uh, at the end of 2024. Saka, 2024. Should we be pressing ahead now and extending these contracts, especially as Arteta only has 18 months left and Saka next summer will have the dreaded two years? I think after the City game, to answer it first, I think we should have sat Saka down and Martinelli and given them new contracts. We should, be working, we should be working on new contracts for those two players already. Um, Lacazette, we offered him a one-year deal. Mm. I wouldn't offer him any more. But I, if I was Lacazette, I'd also turn down a one-year deal. I'd he could get a two-year deal elsewhere. Um, it's the perfect level of what needs to be done in that regard. Um, Saliba, see if he can do it in England first, maybe. when um, he comes back, but otherwise, I don't have a worry about our centre-backs at the moment. Uh, as I say, you can see the drop-off from Ben White and Gabriel, where you could see that massively when Rob Holding came on. But um, let's bring Saliba in. Uh, see what he can do and if he will um, get a new co- if he will sign a new contract when he comes back great for him to keep his value but otherwise um, see what he can do in terms of uh, in England but does anyone else have any thoughts on if there's players that we should be uh, pushing for contracts at the moment you just got no, to say I, to go on Carl sorry I can say I agree with you Saka Martinelli, um, definitely Smith Rose just signed the new contract. Mm-hmm. Um, Odegaard's ben just joined. Odegaard's yeah. just joined. Ben White's just joined. Ramsdale's just joined. Tommy Assey's just joined. Kieran Tierney, was he got? Signed a new Maybe. deal, didn't he? But we got Nuno Tavares, so if it ran down. Yeah, I, so. Not worry. At the moment, we're looking healthy, but I would definitely suck up, definitely. His agent should be in negotiation with Arsenal at this precise moment. So should Martinelli. Um, I definitely would give, like I said, a one-year deal. But like you, Josh, if I'm like I said, I'm turning down that deal. Um, 
if his heart lies in France, let's say that he could go, to, he could get a, um, a, a French. He could go back. He could go back to Leon. He'll go back. Yeah. Leon would he, welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, he could definitely get a, a team to get him. He'll bang in fifty draw. goals a season until he's forty. In there. <laughs> no, I, I would, I would offer him a, a one-year deal, and I would say, look, you're not going to be this. Even Abamian's definitely gone in the summer. That's one hundred percent. But I would definitely say, look, you're not going to be the starting centre back. But you are. It almost like the reason why David Luiz was given a deal, like not the fact that he was a good player, but he was good for the dressing room. And I would say, uh, maybe even if he's interested in the coaching role, you know, you, you know what I mean, like something along them lines. But because um, I think Lazar is very good for the dressing room, you know, the way he talks to younger players, you know, I think he's a positive atmosphere in that dressing room as well. Um, the fact that he hasn't down tools with that whole uh, Aubameyang nonsense. And he's adapted um, his game really quickly and taken yeah, on a captaincy so, role. And we are better with him up front than we... We have been with him up front for a good 18 months. So this is why I would definitely say, look, here's a one-year deal, um, maybe an extra 10 grand on what he's getting now. And just say, just stay for a year and help. And there's a coaching role for you if you want it at the end of your, of your deal. So that's He's not getting do. that much money in France, is he? I mean, if he goes back to France, he'll probably get 50, 60 grand a week maximum. Unless he goes yeah, to PSG, that'd that. be a million a week. He's not going to PSG. No. <laughs> Yes, yeah. what I do. Yeah. People have been talking about um uh Gigi Winyoundum, Josh. Is that mm. is that a goer? Well, I mean he started playing for PSG now. Um it'd be interesting, but it's not I don't know. I, I it seems like a stopgap. I imagine we'd do it if we did do it, it's because we couldn't get who we wanted in proper. Um we've clearly got an age profile of players we've gone after. Just look at what we did in the summer. We were really smart with the players we got in. I could only see Wijnaldum coming in if we needed a body and uh, Elneny or Partey came back with a bad injury from the Cup of Nations. That would be the only uh, reason I think we'd, we'd do that and we'd wait right to the end of the window to try and achieve it. But otherwise, I'd rather go for the kind of profile players that we're after. Uh, you know, we can see it's players that are sub-24 Right now, we've got uh, two players, whilst we might not like them, or we might not like one of them. Uh, I've already said I couldn't fault Granite Xhaka's performance and Thomas Partey's performance even more so against uh, City. I don't think we'd need to... uh, We can have a player that can come in under a little bit of a safety net. They don't have to get thrown in. And they can gradually be integrated into the team. It's unlike someone like Tommy Arso, who we threw in, and yeah, it was great that he did well. Um, but yeah, I think there could be um, some options there. Uh, which want... uh, go for Go on. I was going to say I don't want any Özil, Aubameyang mm. kind of mm. legendary, massive earners coming from huge clubs doing uh, that are going to be thinking, "I'm here, everyone, uh, look at me, I'm the greatest." Mm. No. We've had, we've had our days of doing that. That's not the future for us. No, definitely not. Um, but I think that's the uh, certainly the end of the question. We've gone for two hours, I think, before the show. I think we joked that we wouldn't make it to an hour and 20 minutes, but um, we've gone a bit over there. Um, 
Burgundy Gentleman's well, Nods or Shazam's I guess. Um, I'm going to go first because I've got my one lined up. Um, my shout out slash gentleman's dog goes to the Aston Villa admin for Twitter mm-hmm. because he played an, or they played an absolute blinder today with their tweets. And if you haven't seen it, please go and see it. It was literally a thing of beauty aimed at the EFL, aimed at the FA um, for what they did. And <laughs> you couldn't have timed it any better. So you haven't go to the Aston Villa Twitter account and just see their tweet for today. Uh, Josh, who's your shout out to? I f- I forgot we do these. Um, I don't know. Who am I going to give a shout out to? Big uh, care. You've done I sp- annoy him in the last show. You on with him? Did I annoy him in the last show? Maybe I did. Um, yeah, probably Big Kev or. Um, did we do one for Ellis? Did we give Ellis a shout out for him being daddy now? I think, I think we should. I think we should give him a shout out. You know, he came in here and if he does listen to the podcast, it's to be a little bit extra for him to say congratulations to him, to his partner, and to, um, yeah, the two girls he's already got as well. So, yeah, congratulations, Ellis. Here's to many sleepless nights for you. And Good luck. <laughs> whilst saving the world at the same time from some kind of um, tickly cough. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's all he bees off at the moment. And the mm. poor boy's actually got a chance to watch some games and they've all been cancelled. <laughs> 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 yeah, so uh, I think everyone knows. We can say well done to him and Silla. I think everyone knows that that's, that's Silla. But, and uh, family of five now. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, he will be aging. Look at that smile. I mean, I've already seen you now. His hair's a mess. <laughs> he looks like the second coming of Jesus. He's an absolute wreck. He probably gets two hours sleep a night, and then he's got he's living with um with four women. <laughs> Good luck with that. You're never going to be right ever again. It's just going to be him and Stampy the cat. That's going to be it. They're just going to the barricade themselves in. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Danny, who is your shout out? Gentleman's nod. Who yes. are you throwing it to? Uh, Fergus and Trev on the Guns and Yellow Rhythms podcast. I was on there last night, and it's really good talking to blokes that are my kind of era that remember stuff rather than being these these snotty little 16-year-olds that the last time we were any good, they were still in nappies, but yet they know it all and block about it, the useless little fucks. And they think they know everything. When you when you correct them, they block you. Twats. So, um, and also, uh, good luck to um, this man. All the El Nenny's playing in the the AFCON coming up soon. It's uh for me and Richard it's uh come on the Egypt, lad. I think that's how they speak in Egypt. <laughs> 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 um I, I, I wanna say good luck to all our players, but I kinda want them back soon. So um yeah, it's a it's a bit weird. I mean I think um I think Senegal have got a really good team. Um definitely Egypt as well. Um do Ghana have one? I mean, like you said, Ghana lost today 3-0. Uh, you know, not looking good for them, are they? But Thomas Partey comes back after he gets knocked out of his two, three group games, then we're hey. Like, thinking, and just a quick note, people watch the African Cup of Nations. Like, genuinely, it's it's going to be a good tournament. I know it's not got a, a lot of press, good press in the... In, 
in recent times because of their era. Sorry, not that the time is being played. But remember, this time next year, or this year, I guess, we'll be playing the World Cup, won't we? November 2022. World... Yeah, we'll be watching mm-hmm. the World Cup. So it's a bit weird. But yeah, if you can, the games run at decent times as well. I think they're on at like mm-hmm. four or five o'clock. Something uh, nice one, it's only a couple of yeah. hours. One, four, and seven for UK times uh, for most of the group games. Um, And then I imagine the round of, um, yeah, the knockout rounds will be uh, the kind of seven o'clock fixture time. But yeah, Carl, as you say, and I just want to add as well, we supported Saka coming back late because he was in the Euros and involved into the final. We backed Martinelli, who was away at the Olympics at the beginning of the season and missed three or four games for that as well. We should be backing Thomas Partey. We should be backing El Nani. We should be backing uh, Aubameyang uh, and Pepe for their endeavours there because this is their Continental Cup and there's a chance for them to come back with a trophy. I don't want Thomas Partey coming back all depressed because his country got knocked out in the first three games. Uh, I'd rather he went on two more games, won it and came back buzzing. Do you know who they're playing? They got Morocco on Monday. Um, I can't tell you all of them because I need to scroll all the way down. Rocco, Gabon, then, it's yeah. the Partey, Partey Aubameyang derby, Friday Whoa. the 14th. Friday People the 14th at 7 o'clock. The, the, uh, then on the 18th, it's going to be the New York Cosmos. I think that's <laughs> what that team is. The uh, Comoros. That's it, New York Cosmos. Hello, you'll be playing in that. And back and bow. <laughs> So, um, uh, yeah, then it. the round of 16 is at 4 o'clock and 7 o'clock. And then semi-finals are at 7. Um, yeah, and then the finals at 7 o'clock as well. Because most people don't realise Africa is in a virtual straight line from the UK. And they're usually mm-hmm. two hours ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. people think, well, it's just like America where it's going to be five, six, seven, eight hours behind. So And you won't see more fans enjoying football than you will have been at the AFCON. I uh, love it. It's Definitely. played with such a great spirit as well uh, there's such a great atmosphere uh, AFCON games it's one of my favourite tournaments to watch uh, because you will see something hilarious as well like what did you say uh, Thomas Partey playing as number 10 and at some point someone is going to score from 40 yards uh, in that <laughs> oh, always always somebody <laughs> scores some, there's always a ridiculous goal in the Cup of Nations and it will be something like someone scores a scorpion kit from 40 yards uh, into their own net That'll be the goal. Yeah. And even the <laughs> celebrations, you watch when the, some of the oh. African teams uh, score a goal. The celebrations are second to none. Yeah, second to none. So, yeah. It's played with joy. And it'll be Definitely. weird seeing Premier top world-class players playing in a team equivalent to Barnet. And they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> like, like with, with Party playing wherever he can do the most damage as a, as a brilliant player. It's like watching Poland, but every team is Poland. They've all got a Lewandowski somewhere, but it just so <laughs> happens that their Lewandowski is a left back <laughs> or Scotland. It's the same finally, as that. And finally, Chelsea beats Spurs 2 0 in the. Um, they did in indeed. The make your drink cup. Oh, so, I think that's we're all done now, are we? We are indeed. We are indeed. Yeah. Uh, definitely. We've run a bit long, but you know we had a lot to talk about. Uh, next game is Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. Come Hopefully. On. Hopefully, I mean, yeah, hopefully that game's going to be played and we should win it and um, we get the trophy back. Um, that Friday night, RB, 
Friday night, Carl, I'll be doing mm. a, a quiz, an Arsenal quiz on uh, the Mr. Arsenal channel with uh, Ryan's channel. So if anyone's bored, Friday night, about half past seven, come along and watch the quiz. It's usually be me v, uh, against uh, Rich, Rich B and uh, the rest of them cheating. <laughs> They're definitely supporting Danny in that. Um, Josh, as always, is really good to pod with you. Um, yeah, it has been excellent to be back with you, Carl, um, and of course Danny as well. Danny, but you have he has to be, to be here. here. Yeah, because how many shows has he done in a row? Four hundred and four hundred thirty-six. Yeah, trillion. Yeah. yeah, well, when after we decided they're no longer even know what a podcast is, let alone fucking turn up. Oh, shit. So, uh, him off. <laughs> Danny, say goodbye. Bye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.